Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Renewables. I'm your host, David Smart, Senior Vice President of Sales at Biostar Renewables. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. Uh, pardon my hoarse voice, have a little bit of a cold I'm recovering from. Fortunately, not COVID. So I'm here in the office and I've also been shouting with excitement because I am so excited to have Anne-Marie Bonneau on the show today. Uh, Anne-Marie, thank you so much for coming on. It's great to see you. Oh, thanks for having me, David. Great to see you too. Absolutely. And um, some of your followers might know you better as Zero Waste Chef. Uh, You touch on a lot of topics that are near and dear to our heart here at Biostar. Uh, As you know, and I think a lot of our listeners and, and viewers know, we have a food waste digester out in San Bernardino, California, that's in the sort of final stages of commissioning. And um, we divert a lot of food waste from landfills around Southern California. They bring the waste to us, throw it in our digester, and we make um, renewable gas and electricity there. And then we also make our patented Super 6 fertilizer. Um, so these are topics that, that we love to feature on the show. And Anne-Marie, you've done such an amazing job of building a really impressive following. I love reading and following your blog um, and your social accounts. Uh, There's so many useful and practical tips for being sustainable in the kitchen. So um, let's get started. Tell our listeners and viewers just a little bit about yourself and your journey and how you came to found Zero Waste Chef. Sure. Well, uh, I've always been a foodie. Well, at least in my adult life. Um, Not so much when I was younger. Uh, So a little bit obsessed with food and cooking. And back in 2011, I started reading about plastic pollution in the ocean swirling around. You know, animals are ingesting it. They're getting entangled in it. They're feeding it to their young. And it's really heartbreaking. And a lot of it is for stuff we don't actually need. And so I decided right then that I wanted to break up with plastic, but I wasn't sure how to do that. Focusing on the plastic made me focus on all the waste. And then I discovered that in the US up to 40% of our food goes uneaten, 40% of what we produce. And that was just astonishing. And so, um, yeah, I kind of became obsessed with just using everything, you know, seeing everything as a resource. And it just snowballed from there, continues to evolve. And then uh, my daughter actually started a blog first. She was 16. It was called the Zero Waste, or sorry, the Plastic Free Chef. Uh, Then she went away to school. And uh, she didn't really have time to keep it up. And I said, well, can I take it over? Because I loved her blog. I didn't want to see it just disappear. And she said, no, start your own blog. So I started my blog. Uh, That was back in 2014. Awesome. 
that's so cool. And, and um, I see also, well, first of all, I love what you said, breaking up with plastic. I love that. And it's hard to do. Uh, and I think as soon as you start to try to do it, you, you really realize how much plastic we use even. I mean, I use a reusable water cup, but, but that's just one little thing. Right. So, um, and I see that you, you have a book. Um, I actually have not read the book, but I, I certainly plan to, when did you write the book? Was that kind of early on as you got started or was that as things progressed and you sort of built up your following? Uh, well, the book came out in 2021, so okay. last awesome. year, and, uh, you know, worked on it for a couple of years, um, and then really, my blog, I, I sort of had, you know, because I work in publishing, and I thought, oh, you know, it'd be nice if this became a book someday, so I sort of looked at the blog as kind of a draft Mm-hmm. You know, for for a book, um, but I didn't know what kind of book. But anyway, so um, yeah, that's when that's when that came out last year. So tell us a little more about the book. Oh, so it's called the Zero Waste Chef: uh, Sustainable Tips. No, gee, I, I should know what the subtitle is. Anyway, the Zero Waste Chef is the name of the book, um, and. Uh, so it has 75 recipes. They are vegetarian and vegan. Um, and I have some upfront chapters on, you know, reducing waste in the kitchen. So uh, let's see. I have, you know, why why it's a good idea to reduce your waste. Um, I have the kitchen equipment that you need, which is really minimal. So... I like to own, uh, you know, less stuff. So I, I'm not big on kitchen gadgets. I mean, I do have a few that I love, but I don't have all of them. Uh, I have a chapter on fermentation. I'm obsessed with fermentation. Let's see, a chapter on cooking methods. Then I have the recipes. So I have uh, staples and scraps and breakfast, sides, dinner, desserts, and drinks and snacks. So you and I spoke a little bit before this and had some topics, but one of the things we did not talk about, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, is fermentation. Talk, talk to me about um, talk to me about that and, and why you're obsessed with it. Oh, well, for one thing, it, it all tastes delicious. It tastes so good. All of the expensive good stuff is fermented, hmm. or at least a lot of it. So, you know cheese and beer and wine uh, kombucha vinegar chocolate it requires fermentation at some point pickles kimchi so it's a great way to preserve food if you have a glut of cabbages for some reason maybe maybe you're growing some in the garden if you don't do anything with those eventually they'll just rot and decompose but if you ferment them which basically means you chop them up you add salt you squish them a bit and pack them into jars um the lactic acid bacteria on vegetables they eat the carbohydrates and they produce gases and acids and they preserve the food um it's not indefinitely like uh canned food 
but you have the good bacteria. So canned food kills the bad bacteria, but also kills the good bacteria. So fermentation preserves the food. It tastes delicious. It's good for your gut. It's way less expensive to do on your own. I make, cool. let's see on the counter right now, I have vinegar, kombucha, uh, I have tapachi, which is made of pineapple scraps, delicious drink. You beat me to it. I was going to ask you, what what are you currently fermenting? That is so cool. Um, it's a topic I'm not all that familiar with, but my wife and I both love to cook. And that is uh, something that I think you've inspired me here to go and try for myself. So I'm sure I can find info on the blog or in the book oh, yeah. about how to do that. And I look forward to that. And you know, one of the things um, actually at Biostar, we wanted to really make sure we kind of practice what we preach. We started a company um, composting, you know, mm. uh, hired a composting service here, local compost KC. They come around once a week and we encourage folks to kind of bring their food scraps from home and obviously anything that we, you know, left over from lunch and things like that. And I, you, know, you talk about when you focus on plastic and think about how much plastic you use, you notice, gosh, it's really a lot. Same with food scraps, right? I, as soon as I started composting sort of back in like January, maybe December, and I just um, immediately realized how much food you throw away and not just good food that, that went to waste, but the scraps and all the other mm -hmm. things that, that mm -hmm. you can compost. And it's made my trash a lot lighter. I'm in charge of the trash at home. So that's, that's one benefit, but also to your point earlier uh, that, you know, nearly, I think some estimates are even just over 40% of the food produced in this country gets wasted. And you go, we have some information on our website about that. And you look at all of the water that it took to produce that food and therefore that water was essentially wasted and um, mm -hmm. it really is kind of an amazing snowball um, effect that 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 has and so um, I've noticed also just beyond composting and noticing how much I'm now not throwing in the trash um, you also have some really good tips on your site about, you know, ways to make sure that you don't end up throwing it in the trash. Prepping food when you get it home from the store um, is makes you more likely to eat it, right? Um, washing your berries as soon as you can and having them in a nice balls food jar or, or tips like that. So I really loved um, those little tips and tidbits that are, are really relatively easy to implement into your kind of patterns in the kitchen. Um, but talk about how food, reducing your food waste saves money. And this is really a timely topic right now, right? With oh, record inflation. And right. so let's get into that a little bit and talk about how you save money um, by, by reducing food waste and being more conscious in the kitchen. Oh, right. Well, you know, before food prices shot up, the statistics were uh, the average family of four in the U.S. spends $1,800 on food that they don't eat every year. So I'm thinking with prices that maybe that has gone down a bit. I think people, I imagine, are being more conscientious of their food waste. But, you know, even if it went down by 25%, 
which I doubt it has. You know, it's a lot of money. So, yeah, right sure. there. And if prices see... are up 30%, then right, right. you probably still spent, you know, wasted the same amount of money. So, sorry. Continue. That's true. No, no, that's, that's a good point. So, yeah, it does save money. It also saves time because if you eat all of the food you buy, then you shop less. So, uh, you know, I've been obsessed with food waste for a while now, and I can't think of a downside to eating all the food you buy. Unless Absolutely. you only buy Twinkies. And then, <laughs> right. And then you have other problems. Uh, well, that's, that's great. And some of the other, um, talk a little bit about kind of, I guess, other tips you have for people. Um, to really, and frankly, I, you know, we go to the grocery store and we have sort of our standard order, right, for the week. And um, we're not, my house, my wife and I aren't, we don't go to the store every day. Some people seem to go like every day or every other day. We're more of kind of a once a week, we kind of buy what we need for the week. And our standard order is usually around a hundred dollars. I've noticed, I, I truly think it's gone up 30%. I, it's mm. anywhere now, I think from 125 to $130. Um, but I guess talk about some other tips if you can on how to save money while food prices rise. And actually, you know, to go a step further, there's some obviously timely topics right now, the avian flu, the war in Ukraine uh, that are, that are really feeding the fire, mm -hmm. if you will. Oh, yeah. Um, but any quick tips you have, I think are super interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, I'd say my number one tip is to shop the refrigerator first and pantry. So before you go shopping, look at what you have on hand and then let that determine what you're going to cook next. So instead of saying, oh, what do I feel like eating tonight? and looking online or through cookbook for a recipe, jotting down all of the ingredients and going and buying all the stuff and bring it home and cooking the meal. Uh, just, it's like the show Chopped. You know, you look at what you have on hand and say, okay, what can I make with this? So if you start there and then if you need something, then go shopping. But you probably have enough on hand to at least make something. And if everybody did that, they would absolutely slash their food waste. They'd use more of the food they buy and they'd save a lot of money. So that would be my, that's like my number one tip. I, Another I tip, love that. Please. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Another tip is, um, you know, you don't have to make anything fancy. I think people, they see the food blogs and the magazines and the cookbooks and, and the cooking shows and they think, oh, I've got to cook this, you know, Michelin star type dinner every night. I mean, it's just not realistic. Nobody has time for that. So, you know, just keep it simple. You just need fresh ingredients. You know, you can well, have a, a, a grain bowl or soup. I make soup about once a week to use up all of the vegetables that we haven't eaten and it's always delicious it's really easy i can make it quickly healthy oh super healthy yeah because it's just a bunch of vegetables and some yeah i throw in some beans and 
I love that. Those are both really resonating with me. My wife, who is a much better cook than I am, um, shout out to Jacqueline. She, I'll say, oh, we don't really have anything to eat. We need to go to the store. And she's like, no, we have stuff to eat. You know, you just, just because you look in the fridge and there's not something that you can immediately pull out oh, and stick yeah, a fork yeah. into uh, does not mean that we don't have anything to eat, right? So she, and then to your point about simplicity, some of the best home-cooked meals she makes for us uh, are super simple. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so good, so good. And she's like, babe, it was it was easy. It was simple, you know? And I think um, also having a kid has made me sort of, reflect more um because i'm not a person who is obsessed about eating three meals a day but when you have a baby and they start eating and they recommend three meals a day you start to really think about okay what you know i don't want to just throw a bunch of chicken nuggets in the in the oven every time that she's hungry right and so um i think she has kind of helped me realize um she likes with with the baby the simpler, the better. It seems mm-hmm. like the healthier, the better, the more vegetables, the better. So maybe I'm just lucky and maybe that will change uh, as she grows more of a perception of what vegetables are, but hopefully not because she she loves eating her veggies. And I always, if I'm kind of stressed about what to make for dinner, it's like, just keep it simple. Some sweet potato, some broccoli, some vegetables. Um, so those are all really resonating, um, those points. And I think they're really great tips. Um, so you are in California, right? Mm-hmm. A yep. leader in the country and addressing food waste leader in a lot of things, but, um, you, you have a new law out there, which of course at Biostar we're very aware of given our, our food waste digester, um, but well, Senate bill at 1383, uh, a new law in California that has finally actually gone into effect as of this year. And the goal of the law is to reduce um, landfill organic waste, excuse me, from going to landfills by 50%. So talk a little bit about how this, um, I know you, you obviously compost uh, probably quite extensively. Um, and that probably wasn't new for you, but talk a little bit about how SB 1383 is having an impact on, on what you do. Well, uh, I do compost, been composting for decades now. Um, and I have two bins in the backyard and uh, I our soil is like clay. It's really poor soil and mm-hmm. I have some raised beds but I need compost I need all the compost I can get so I put our bins on share waste which is an app it's kind of like match.com for food scraps so if you okay, have cool. eligible food scraps then you look for someone who has a bin and then you contact them and say hey would you like my food scraps so <laughs> Nobody, hardly anyone ever contacted me. And then that bill went into effect. Mm. And I, now I have three people coming over regularly with their awesome. food scraps. Yeah. So, I mean, that tells me right there that the law is having an effect already. Sure. Now, where I live, we have a 
food scraps program. So people separate, people have been separating their scraps for a few years here. And our garbage bins are split. One side is for garbage and one side is for food scraps. But I don't use it because I, I want all the food scraps. So they're, um, you know, I don't think there was too much grumbling here over the new law because people were already doing it. I think sure. that's the case for most of the cities around here. So that's good. But um, yeah, it's great. And then the the compost, I guess, depending on which city you live in. Um, but in San Francisco, it goes to farms. Um, here, it goes to feeding uh, livestock. So it's really important because, as you said, when we waste the food, we're not just wasting the food. We're wasting all of those resources that went into into growing it. So the water and the energy and the labor, and we're clearing land of trees that would have been sequestering carbon, but instead we're chopping them down to grow food that goes uneaten. So it's really crazy problem. Um, and meanwhile, tens of millions of people uh, don't have enough to eat in this country. Yeah. So. Yeah, and the food insecurity, you know, is something that is obviously getting a lot of attention right now. It should get a lot of attention all the time, but it's getting a lot of attention right now, given inflation um, and rising food prices. And the only other thing I would add to that is there's still nutrients in the scraps, right? And oh, and that's yeah, what our, yeah. our digester does and your compost, you use it, it sounds like, to grow fresh produce and, and things in your garden. So I, it sounds like you have a garden at home. Tell me uh, what's, what's in your garden. Oh, well, it's, 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 it's small, but um, let's see. I have tomatoes. The tomatoes are doing well. Uh, I threw some corn down just to see what would happen. And it's growing like crazy. Nice. Uh, I have black beans that are they're also going crazy luckily someone gave me a trellis last year free trellis so i put that there and they're going all over the place what else do i have i have zucchini which um hope you know i didn't plant too much because zucchini grows like crazy i have some herbs and some melons um and a few other things i'm forgetting oh uh, butter, no, honey nut squash. Oh, cool. Yeah, they're delicious. They're that is awesome. Yeah. Uh, there is nothing like going out to the garden and picking your produce and coming inside and fixing it for dinner. I just think oh, that yeah. is so yeah, fun. Yeah. And um, my wife's family, a lot of them live out in Maine. And her grandmother has just this like amazing, huge garden and their squash, for example, you know, they, they take it and freeze it for the winter. I mean, they, they just are so good and resourceful. And I mean, probably more than 50%, maybe, maybe more um, of the produce that they eat, you know, regularly comes from their garden, which I just think is so wow. cool. Oh, yeah, um, that's amazing. It's a, it's a, for what it is, you know, um, Grammy Steve's is out there 
you know, running the garden, it is very substantial. It, it always amazes me that she is able to keep up um, this, this amazing garden. So um, there are some other related topics, <coughs> excuse me, I want to get into kind of before we close out. And you mentioned it right at the top of the show, um, plastic waste. I think it, it's, it's really related to this conversation. Sounds like it's sort of how you and your daughter started your journey um, into zero, you know, which eventually became zero waste chef. But talk about the the importance of minimizing um, plastic waste. I know you have a great, um, great article on the blog about 50 ways to kick plastic waste. Talk about the importance of that and some of the things our listeners and viewers can do to kind of dive into that and, and challenge themselves to to use less plastic. Okay, well, it's important because it pollutes all along its life cycle. So it's not just disposal, which is a complete disaster. I mean, it's, it's, it's a catastrophe. It's bad. And China, when China stopped taking our plastic waste, and why should China take our plastic waste? Um, it, it was like a reckoning. So now... Some cities are burning the plastic, they're incinerating it. And, you know, it's made of fossil fuels, big oil, they see the writing on the wall that, oh, cars are becoming electric, and we're going to electrify the grid. So they want to still sell their products. So they're pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into building more plastic plants so that they can use their fossil fuels. More plastic is mind boggling that we could actually have more. So it pollutes when it's extracted and refined. Uh, it's full of toxins and you don't want your food to come in contact with it. Um, I mean, I could go on and on and on <laughs> about it. And Keep going. Um, oh, okay, <laughs> well, tea bags. So I, I was talking to someone the other day about tea bags. I wrote a blog post this week on, on how to make iced tea. You know, those silky tea bags, they, they look like silk. They're not silk. They're plastic. They're mm -hmm. synthetic. There was a study out of uh, McGill University in Montreal a few years ago now. When you brew a cup of tea with one of those bags, there are 11 billion pieces of microplastic in your one cup of tea. And wow. to put that into perspective, a bottle of water has about 40 pieces of microplastic, which is also disgusting. We ingest about five grams of plastic a week. That's about a credit wow. card. Credit card weighs about five grams. It's in our blood now. So that really got people's attention. A study came out in May, showed that plastic particles uh, are in our blood. They're in the umbilical cords and placenta of babies. They're in every spot of the earth. They are raining down on us. We are breathing them in. I mean, it's awful. But, wow. you know, there has been some progress on, on changing that. Uh, when we started this, when Mary Catherine and I first decided we would go plastic-free in 2011 occasionally there'd be a news story on plastic pollution and we get all excited like look it's in the news and now it's every day so it's in the news all the time and if you if any of your listeners want to start plastic free july 
is is a great time to start. Um, so uh, the woman who started that 11 years ago, also in 2011, she visited a recycling center and she saw all of the plastic just whizzing by the conveyor belt and workers sorting it. And she thought that is my plastic and, and my neighbor's plastic. And this is horrifying. And she asked her friends, how, how, what do you think about giving out plastic for the month? And they, a few of them said, okay, yeah, sure. And they did it. And last year, over 300 million people did plastic free July. So, wow. yeah. And you know, you don't have to, actually you can't, you can't cut it all overnight. You, it's just too hard. It's like going on a diet and saying, okay, I'm not going to eat anything. That's my diet. I mean, you, you can't yeah. sustain it. So you just start small. And so I would start with the what Plastic Free July calls the top four. And those are items that are everywhere. You, I mean, you see them everywhere, but they're also easily replaced. So bottled water. That's a pretty simple one to change. You know, unless you live in Flint, Michigan, where you can't drink the water, people buy, they spend like millions and millions, I mean, probably billions on bottled water because of marketing. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're scared. Marketing has told us, oh, well, our water isn't safe. And, and then you won't drink the microplastic either that's in mm -hmm. the bottle. So you'll save a fortune, you'll cut the plastic, bring a water bottle with you wherever you go, you know, keep keep one at your desk and you know just fill it so it's pretty that's it's totally doable um to go coffee cups so those are lined with plastic uh so you know you can depending on the cafe because of covid mm -hmm. you might be able to take your thermos or your reusable mug and have them fill it so my favorite cafe stopped doing that during COVID, but mm. I found a different cafe. So I go to a different cafe now. Um, you could also brew your coffee or tea at home and take it with you. And you'll save a lot of money if you do that. Uh, straws, straws are easily replaced for, for most people. They can, you know, just put the cup or glass to their lips. And if you do need, uh, a straw, you know, for a medical condition, because nobody wants to take straws away from people who need them, then, you know, you should be able to get a straw. But for most people, then just drink from the cup or get a reusable straw. And then the last thing, the fourth item is plastic bags, including produce bags. So I sew very simple produce bags. I usually have, oh, here's, here's one. <laughs> They're just very simple. And I keep them stashed in my shopping bag. And then I always have them, or shopping bags yep. rather. And so those four things will absolutely slash plastic waste. I mean, these produce bags alone, Mary Catherine and I first sewed some, and you can also buy them. You don't have to sew them. You can buy them all over the place. Uh, let's see, we first made some in 2011. And I've been using them ever since, every week at the farmer's market. I take 10 
you know, so that's, that's thousands of plastic bags. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my wife and I, uh, she taught me a long time ago that I was not washing our produce well enough. And so I, I wa- washed the produce pretty well. Um, and I just stopped using the bags altogether. Uh, some people yeah, kind of yeah, think, yeah. I think it's gross. I just put it in the cart, you know, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. And no, I get home, true. I wash it anyways. So it's like, I just put yeah. it in the cart. And then, and then too, we have some really neat little, um, you know, reusable bins in our refrigerator that we kind of sort the produce in and it helps kind of keep the fridge organized and you can just wash those if they start to get dirty. So um, I love those tips. Those are definitely, I, I think it's a great tip to kind of focus on the big four. Um, I've, I don't require a lot of straws. I don't drink a lot of soft drinks. But the, the, the produce bags, um, that one hits. And I always make sure I'm a big fan of my Yeti coffee and, and water cups. Um, and, and we try to do that. If you also, to our listeners and viewers, check out, I think it was episode 36 uh, of the podcast, a guy named Mark Harama, who developed a fascinating technology uh, taking microorganisms from the ocean and creating um, biodegradable plastic alternative straws and spoons and forks. Um, and those those products can be found in places like Shake Shack. You can buy them at Target. Um, so definitely go check out that episode. It was called Air Carbon is, is the product name. And um, really, really cool thing that, that Mark is doing to help combat plastic waste. So um, Anne-Marie, this has been so much fun. I, I love everything you're doing and there's so many little things. I, I like the tip of start small. You don't have to go all at once. Oh, I wanted to oh, ask yeah, you. Yeah. So are you totally plastic free? Um, pretty like, much. Like, what are the things that I, you can't avoid? I, I guess that's uh, my question. Okay. Well, it's more like things I choose not to avoid. Sure. <laughs> so the the <laughs> one big thing is uh, milk for my tea. Okay. So uh, I buy it in gla- re- returnable, refillable glass bottles, but there is yep. a little plastic ring around them. So there are those. Uh, but like I'm pretty hardcore. Yeah, um, that's awesome. I, but... you know, I wash my hair with a shampoo bar. Or, well, yeah, I was using baking soda early on, but it's a little bit harsh. Um, But yeah, shampoo bars, which you can get everywhere now. When we started, it was really hard to find them. I've never even heard of it. So I'm going to go find one. Yeah. Can you find, do most like brands make a a shampoo bar alternative? No, not, not like the super, not like the commercial brands. Sure um so that's let's cool see. i'm gonna look into that i, I oh, like yeah. that idea yeah yeah you you can get them at whole foods uh okay let's see i mean you can find tons of them online we get ours well from different places so there's a a co-op sort of health food store near us mm-hmm. and they have really nice shampoo bars I was on a trip recently and went to see my daughter in Montreal and I visited this woman's shop. She makes all of her own soap. She's a chemist and she gave me a shampoo bar. And and my daughter 
My other daughter bought me a shampoo bar. I actually, have, I have like three of them right now. <laughs> People keep awesome. giving me shampoo bars. They're great because they're concentrated soap. There's no plastic bottle. Some of them have zero packaging. You know, some of them have a little paper strip around them sure. with the name of the company, but they're, yeah, they're not wrapped in plastic and they're, because the, you know, the shampoo bottle, it's so much plastic. It's, oh, yeah. The, yeah, and they're thick the and giant hunk of yeah, giant hunk of thick plastic. Um, and I brush my teeth right now with these toothpaste tabs. Uh, I've also okay. used baking soda. I'm not a dentist, though, so you know, look into what you feel comfortable using. But the toothpaste tabs are great. You just crunch on them, and they foam up, and you brush your teeth. It's mostly the toothbrush that that cleans your teeth. Yeah, um, and, you know. Super interesting. Um, and I have one more question because I'm geeking out. Oh, okay. You mentioned tea and we drink a lot of tea in my house. Mm. And I'm all nervous now about these 40 billion microplastics or 4 billion in, in my tea bag. So um, do you use loose leaf tea? Yep. Yep. Loose okay. leaf. Uh, it, it's delicious too. It yeah, tastes better. I think it is too. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay, really good. Awesome. So you can either put put the loose leaf in a tea infuser and put that in your cup and add the boiling water. Or you can just, you can put the infuser in a teapot or you can even just throw the tea leaves in the teapot, make the tea and then use a strainer when you're pouring sure. the tea to catch tea Well, leaves I have in. this awesome little teapot that has the tea, oh, loose the leaf tea infuser in the middle mm -hmm. and I don't use it enough. So I'm going to, I'm going to oh, dust yeah, that yeah. off. Now, not, all, not all tea bags have those, you know, billions of microplastics. That's the silky ones. But even the paper ones that have a seal around them, there's some plastic in, in the sealant. In most of them. I mean, some of them, because this information came out a few years ago or several years ago. So some of them have tried to change. But some of the paper itself also has plastic in it. Like, it's just too much work to figure out. You know which brand is sure. so just just buy loosely. It tastes better. I love it. That's a great tip, um, Anne Marie. I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show. I love following you. Please tell our listeners and viewers how they can find you online, um, how they can stay up to speed, and kind of continue developing some of these super important and sustainable practices into their everyday lives. Oh, sure. Uh, let's see. So my website is zerowastechef.com with the zero spelled out, Z-E-R-O. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of them are at Zero Waste Chef. So awesome. easy to remember. We will put those social handles and your website in the show notes so our listeners and viewers can easily click through and find you. And let's definitely stay in touch uh, I hope you'll come back on um, at a later date for another episode. Love the conversation oh, sure. and yeah, uh, really appreciate your time. Oh, well, thank you, David. This was fun. Thank you. This has been another episode of Renewables. Again, I'm your host, David Smart from Biostar Renewables. Thank you to all of our listeners and viewers who continue to tune in. We're seeing some awesome growth in the podcast numbers and really, really appreciate you spending some time with us. Have a great week, everybody. And Anne-Marie, thanks again. We'll talk soon.
Thank you, David. Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America.